Thank you for choosing this Dream Centre podcast. Don't forget to subscribe for further updates. Matthew 8. You know, the last couple of months I've been speaking to you on the preceding word that I believe is the preceding word. And I believe it's the word that's in God's heart. Whatever I go around the world, God keeps speaking to me in different portions, different parts, telling me, keep on, keep on, keep on, keep listening, keep doing this, keep doing that, precept upon precept. And uh, I believe this word is right from the throne room for us as the church and for, for many who can tap into this. And it's when Jesus saw the crowd around in verse 18, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the Lord came to him and said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury the dead. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got, got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and he was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. When he arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that they could not pass that way. So much in this. So much in this and over the, the weeks we've been trying to unfold the dynamics. And in week one, we hit the entire message. Or I should say, I've been from week one, I've been trying to hit this message from every possible angle there is. Amen? Because this whole message of crossing over, getting, leaving the beach, getting into the boat and crossing over, there is a fundamental message that God is trying to communicate to us, his church. And yet there are so many dynamics in this for you all to draw from, to be encouraged. Amen? The message that you receive to be encouraged is not necessarily the total message. It's a portion for you. But there is a message. Because whenever you read a scripture, two and three, four, five, whoever read it, will all get their portion, but there is a literal meaning. But then there is a revelation that comes to you, what God wants you to see from that portion. Yeah, and we've used the, what I call allegorical, allegorical language and metaphorical language. This boat, this beach, this other side means things. And we've used the series to teach you about those things. I can't go into them this morning, but you need to, if you're not quite sure, you need to go back and get the CDs. Week two, we learned the lessons from the scientist. I don't know if you remember, we talked about the Titanic and how that after 100 years they could prove that how that why the titanic sunk because of what scientists call fractional distortion and how weather patterns when it when they come into an environment it changes people's perspective and how these disciples when weather patterns came around them it affected their internal emotional focus amen and we looked at that and and we understood how we have to make sure that we are completely clean in our emotions if we're going to go to the other side, because all kinds of things will come and attack us, as we just heard from the testimony. You know, when you've been diagnosed with something, the maniac in your own attic starts speaking. And you have to then bring him under control and clear him out. That's called guarding your territory. Amen. Then week three, we saw, despite the, the storm raging, he was able to, Jesus was able to lie down and sleep. How would you sleep in the midst of a storm? 
Well, the reason why you can sleep in the midst of a storm is because of the peace that's in your heart. Jesus knew the Father, so he had the Father's peace. And when you and I enter into the same rest, you and I can overcome the storms. But you have to enter into a rest. Amen? And peace of God. Week four, we saw how the voice of the Lord then has to be carried over the waters. Jesus spoke over the waters. You and I have to speak over your own troubled waters. You have to carry this internal voice that speaks. On your journey of crossing over, you have to speak. You can't just come to church on a Sunday and let me speak. You have to take this word. This word has to come inside you. And then you have to speak it over your own situation. Amen. And that's why so many people sink. Because they have no word. They have effort. They have strength. They have all their surroundings. But they do not have word. And word is what keeps us afloat. Amen. Week five. We then looked at how uh, when the Lord comes. uh, How this word comes to us. It has to be received. Not only to you. But in you. Do you understand that? It has to come into you. See, when, when you receive the word this morning, there is your natural man and then your spiritual man. Your natural man will listen, let the word come in, but your spiritual man grabs hold of what needs to be grabbed hold of. And then it builds. From the spirit man, you then begin to function. Your natural man can't remember. You might only remember a phrase. But the spirit man captures the core essence of what needs to be captured. You don't need to remember. See, because what you, what you catch in the spirit stays. It's yours. It's yours. What you hear in the natural is only yours, providing you can remember it. Some things are taught. Other things are caught in the spirit. So you and I, by keep on speaking these things, we're giving each other an opportunity to catch and lay hold of some things in our spirit. Because you're going to need this word. I'm telling you now, you're going to need it. So we have to keep on saying it. And you think, oh, he's at it again. He's on it again. Yes, he's on it again. Why? Because you need to catch hold of some things. You still haven't finished. Listen, if this word doesn't let me go, why should I let you go? True? God speaks to me. I speak to you. You speak to him. And then he speaks to me. And then I speak to you and you speak to him. And it carries on like that. What a great cycle that is. Week six. We learn, the sh- we learn the lessons of the ships of Tarshish and how the ships of Tarshish, that it wasn't only the men of Issachar who understood the times, they did. We read that, we looked at that. We looked at how with this word, how they advanced when they, they, they had within them the destiny, the ability to enter every sphere of society. We looked how they entered in the king's palace and how they rose to become the king's officials. These were maritimers, but they knew how to manoeuvre into every system. When we cross over, God wants us to invade every system. There's territory to be taken. Amen. And then week seven, we looked at last week about how we can't live by small dot thinking. How we have to look at what God's doing by the law of the big picture, not by your dot. When God comes and gives his word to you, it's not a spade so you can, it can dig you out of a hole. When God brings his word to us, it's to take you out of your hole and beyond. Because if we've only got a spade to keep digging us out, then we're living the wrong kind of faith. But if we have a word that takes us beyond, amen? If we have a word that takes us beyond, then we're not always in trouble. We can learn how to guide and guard, govern our lives. So this word has to come. So here we are today. 
You want to write a title down? Pursue, recover, overtake, guard and govern. Pursue, recover, overtake, guard and govern. The whole central theme of crossing over, getting in the boat and crossing over is so that we can pursue what's in our Father's heart. We can recover that which the enemy has taken. Territories, families, society, all those kind of things. We can overtake our enemy. We can guard what God has given to us and we can govern that which we've established. These are very much part of the church. This is what you and I, God wants Christians to have this kind of life. Your portion can not only be on a Sunday. You don't eat in the natural. Do you eat once a week? So why do we do it on a Sunday? So why do we do it as Christians? We can't live once a week. That's why much of the church looks, malnutri- looks like it's suffering from malnutrition. There comes a special moment, said Winston Churchill. There comes a special moment in everyone's life, everyone's life, a moment for which that person was born. That special opportunity, he says, he can, I can just hear his words now. When he seizes it, a special opportunity when he seizes it, he will fulfill his mission in life. A mission for which he was uniquely qualified. In that moment, he finds greatness. It is his finest hour. That's what Winston said. This boy knew something about life. This boy knew how to cross over. He knew how to get to leave the beach, get in the boat and cross over and take territory. His whole life was about that whole thing. I should say, his finest hour was about that thing. His whole life was about politics in many ways. But his finest hour came. And how many times have we said, when it comes our time, it becomes our turn. You can't keep talking about your time, your time, your time. And when it comes, you're in the wrong place. We said last week, you can't be at the airport when your ship comes in. You've got to be in the right place at the right time. Because when it's our time, it's your turn. God's not looking for somebody else. He's looking for you. Amen. So I keep putting the coins in this slot. Last week I used the illustration of that stubborn machine that won't take your money. So I just keep on putting the the coins in the slot, hoping that I'm going to get value for money at the end of it and that the machine's going to produce that which it says it it can produce. So in in, in the spirit, we keep on Keep on, keep on saying these things until the penny clicks, until something of value comes forth. Amen? It's so, so important. But you know, it takes a different, it takes a certain type of person to leave the comfort of their beach, to get into a boat and to cross the other side. It takes, passive Christians will never do that. Unbelieving Christians will never do that. Double-minded Christians will never do that. Only those who are seriously focused in God will do that. You can be frightened, you can be scared, but at least you still need to be moving forward. I've, I've, been, I've been frightened many, many times. In fact, I'm in a season right now in my life where I'm scared because I'm doing some things I've never done before. I'm going to places that I've never been before, speaking into lives that I've never spoken into before. That's kind of nerve-wracking. Don't think because I do it here on a Sunday, I can do it in the nations. 
I still have to rely on the same God that keeps me strong here. has to be the same God that keeps me in the nations. Amen. So when I step out of my, off my beach, this is my beach right now, because there's an element of comfort, uh, what's the word? Comfortability is not a word, is it? Who? Comfort zone. Yeah, when I step out of my comfort zone, there was a time when this was a very nerve-wracking zone. Standing before you was very nervous. And then there comes a, time, there comes a time when you get a grace to stand here. And then other things begin to freak you out. And as you, go in, as you get into the boat to the other side, you see that the other side is not like this side. And the other side can freak you out. But guess what? The same word that told you to get in is the same word that's still on the other side. We need to understand that God has already crossed over. God is on the other side. He's waiting. He's waiting for us. God's, God's already crossed over. Why? Because God's already on the other side and he's on this side. He, that's the good, good thing about when you're Christ, you can be everywhere. We can only be in one place at one time. But God can be everywhere. And I love that about God. So he wants us on the other side. There is territory to be taken. So many of you have lived in the same territory for so long. God wants new territory. He wants you to pursue. He wants you to recover. He wants you, some of you to recover your health. Your spiritual status. Your sane thinking. Your position, your position in God. He wants you to recover those things. But not only just go back to where you was, but overtake. He wants you to then learn to guard what that has been entrusted to you. Paul talked about that in the New Testament. Being able to guard that which has been entrusted to you. Paul entrusted some things to God, having confidence that he was able to guard it. Amen? And that which God gives us, he expects you now to govern. Take the leadership in that area. If he's given you a family, lead that family. If he's given you responsibility, lead in that area. God wants you to do these things. Why? Because there's a grace coming upon your life which will cause you to execute the commandments of God. There is. Every time I've obeyed God, every time I've taken his word, there is a grace that comes to my life to execute it. My choice is to step into that, hold that grace, and keep working with that grace. I've been working with this grace now. For this, I have recognized it was a new grace upon my life three years ago. And then as I walked in this grace, I've not always understood it. God has spoken to me about coats and different things, scepters, and I've not understood it, but I've believed it. And I said, Lord, you're going to have to show me what it means. He says, well, just keep doing what you're doing, and I'll show you bit by bit. And as I keep stepping forward, things keep opening up for us. Things that we haven't told you about yet. We will tell you, don't worry. All this will make sense when we share with you what we need to share with you. We're just setting you up. You know that, don't you? Just letting you know we're setting you up for crossing over. Now, I'm also wise enough, not everyone will cross over. Because not everybody sees the need to get into a boat and cross over and pursue more territory. Some, of, some people are happy with what they've got. And they will be the same forever yesterday and forevermore. Where others, I like to think myself when it comes to God, I'm a bit greedy, I want a bit more. I don't know if you're like that, but... So the first thing I want to say to you this morning on crossing over, there's four key, key things I want to say to you this morning. The first thing I want you to re realize, church, in all that we've been saying in these series, you need to stay clean. 
stay clean. You cannot get into this boat and cross over and not be clean. The whole thing of getting to the other side, there is demonic activity on the other side. You have to stay clean. In your heart of hearts, you have to be clean. We cannot be using the same tactics that our enemy. The same sins that are in the people outside cannot be in the people of God. We have to be a different, not better, just different. The most precious territory of all taken is you. If you've gone, if you've been taken, there's, not, there's no advancement. So you have to protect the territory that Christ has taken in you. Because Christ, there was, for this reason, Christ laid a hold of you. There was a reason and a purpose. He took hold of your heart, territory. Now you yield every day like, like I do, and we give him more of our heart. The more we give him our heart, the more territory he's got of us. The more of him we have, the more yielded we are to his purposes, the greater his glory can be upon our lives. So the greatest challenge for territory is the one inside you. You must remember that in your heart, your mind. That's why the Bible tells us to guard it. Guard your heart and mind. Above all else, guard it. Why? Because it's the wellspring of life. And the enemy knows. Your enemy knows that. So the first thing he will try and do is attack your territory. Attack your mind. Attack your heart. Attack all kinds of things. But we're not worried about him. We're focused on what God wants us to do. We're not thinking about him. Let him think about us. We'll keep fixed upon on our father. We're not, we're not you know, chasing reds under the bed, so to speak. We are keeping our eyes upon him. He's the one telling us to cross over. We're not worried about what's on the other side. We know there'll be trouble ahead. That's life. There's trouble when you go to work tomorrow. But you don't, it doesn't stop you going. Why? Because you know you have to go. Well, it's the same thing. The only difference is there's no physical currency. But you're still compelled to get in the boat and cross over. Amen? So we have to stay clean. Where? By keeping our physical, emotional, spiritual territory clean. We must. So in Psalm 51 verse 10, I'm reading from the American standard here. Have, you, have mercy upon me, O God, according to the living kindness. Loving kindness, sorry. According to the multitude of the tender mercies. Blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Whoa. This boy's been a bad boy. Against thee, Lord, have I, have I sinned and done that which is evil in your sight. That thou may be justified when you speak and be clean. So be clear. When you judge, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou dearest truth in inward parts and hidden parts that will make me to know wisdom. Purify me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. I like that, make me. Make me to hear joy and gladness. That the bones which you have broken may rejoice. Hide Hide thy face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a heart, O God, and renew a spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Ghost away from me. Restore to me the joy of salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I'll teach transgressors and sinners your ways will be converted unto you. David had to acknowledge that within him lay flaws. You see, some of us don't believe we have flaws. Oh, yeah, we, we know to some degree we're not perfect, but we think we've got enough to make us imperfect. Not to say not imperfect. So we, we deny ourselves the, the, uh, the luxury of repentance. 
Because it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. And if you keep thinking you've not got nothing wrong with you, guess what? The chances are you will. But here's David. Is the king. Is the king. Is the, is, is the leader. Is the governor. And how do you tell a king he's gone off? How do you tell a king he's off center? How do you tell a king to leave the shores? David, you're in error. How do you tell a king? How do you challenge a king? Quite easy. With the same word that you get challenged. God has to speak inside our hearts. So he uses the prophet to speak to him. Always the word that convicts and lays a man. See, your issue is not always your issue. The issue you fight over is not always the issue. God has a way of speaking directly into the situation. Whole case dismissed. When God speaks his word, you're finished. All your defenses, your reasons, your justifications go by the side because God knows exactly what to speak and how to speak. Have you ever found that? Have you noticed God doesn't hang around in debate? God just speaks. I find him to be a man of few words, but when he speaks, he knows how to hit. Boy, does he know how to hit the target. It's like, Tony, you know, I'm, I'm going to speak one word, Tony, and by the time I finish, one of us is going to win and one of us is going to lose. And by the way, I'm God, you're not. So you won't win, I will. But God wants a win-win. God wants you to win with him. He wants you to see what he's saying so that you can come to where he is. That's the win-win. God isn't interested in winning. God's already won. God's trying to help you to see what he sees. Amen? So, he says, David, there are some things in your heart, fella, that if you don't see some things and recognize some things, you are not only just going to leave this beach, you're not going to be able to get in your boat, you're not going to be able to cross this nation over. Do you ever wonder why David's family was always in trouble? Because he could not bring order into his own family. His own family was, he's not the model to look at family, how to raise a family, but he is the model for many other things. Without a doubt. But here he is. Because he's got something inside his heart that he's not willing to confess. All kinds of things are going wrong around him. You ever notice that? In your life. And what you find is that those who are connecting to you also are affected by what you struggle with. You notice that? Those who are connecting with you also struggle with what you're struggling with. Why? Because you're struggling, you put your pressures on them. You can't go through your internal issues and stay sweet. For long periods of time, for a day, yes, but for long periods of time, your heart starts to go sour and it affects those you love. And it affects those who look to you for life and leadership. Yeah? It's amazing to think that kingship centers around governance and yet the one thing David couldn't govern in the early stages was his heart he could go to war he could fight anyone but he could not fight the own his own internal issues that's why God has to speak with him bring a prophet to speak highlight the scenario once he saw it that was it he was gone he fell and acknowledged that there was something wrong and God will always do that he'll bring other people into your life to speak when you're stubborn, he'll bring other people into your life so that eventually you can hear God. It's not the person you need to hear, it's God. And it's God's voice through the mouth of whoever it is. Amen? 
And the Bible says that we're a chosen people, we're a royal priesthood, we're a holy people belonging to God. So even though we're kings, we're still no one higher than God. Amen? For it's God who's chosen us, it's God who's made us a royal priesthood, but he didn't make us gods. We are men, flesh and blood, who still need to yield to him. There's territory inside David's heart that needs to be taken. There's territory inside your heart that needs to be taken. We need to stay clean. Yeah? The key, the key to this was that him coming clean, his heavenly father, could overshadow him and give to David what David needed most was forgiveness. God has to do this. Coming clean does something very powerful in our lives. When we're willing to come clean with God and confess and acknowledge that something powerful happens inside us. Once the defense mechanism is brought down and God can come in, oh man, restoration can take place very quickly. Have you noticed that? You can go seasons and seasons and seasons of resisting God, but the moment you yield, restoration can take place very quickly. It's a beautiful thing, restoration. It really is. So David, has to, David finds himself at the same place that you and I must now find our, our place. Sorry, find ourselves. And this is it. Ready? David does not ask God to do something for him. He asks God to do something in him. Unless you cannot keep going to God, repenting over the same sin continually. Something needs to change. Something needs to change. Now, what we will do when we, when we perpetually keep sinning, the last people we want to go to is people. We feel we can deal with it ourselves. So we spend time and time and time trying to deal with ourselves, keep falling in the same hole, or is it just me? Yeah? And then, keep, then we start get to a place, we get to a place where we say, God, I can't keep talking to you over this. Now I feel condemned. I feel guilty. I feel worthless. Why? Because I know I spoke to him so many times and now I don't feel there's enough mercy or grace there for him to keep forgiving me. So I then slide into my own pit and and I'm lost. There's no one there to help me. When there actually is, it's just your mentality. It's your perspective of what you think God will and will not do. And God all the time he's waiting and waiting and waiting to speak into the situation. And if you and I could deal with the things, we would have dealt with it long ago. But that's why he says, if you confess your sin to one another, brotherly help. Now we, that we, whoa, whoa, hey, I don't mind going to church with a brother, but confessing something to him, jog on. So we don't feel that we can talk to one another. So now that justifies me trying to work it out on my own. No, it doesn't. So, We hold back and we keep holding back and we keep praying about it. But God says, look, the answer is very clear. You need help. Go and get some help. Not everything needs to be confessed with one another. Some things you can work yourself. Other things you need God to speak into. God, do something in me. I can't keep tripping up over the same things. Because if I keep tripping up, I can't really go any further. And God says, I want you to go further. I want you to cross over. I want to take this territory inside you. We want to clean this thing up once and for all. And then once, if we can deal with it once and for all, we never have to go back to it at all. So many of us won't get in the boat because we'd, we'd rather keep hold of what we've got rather than let somebody else help us. It's a shame, but it's true. So David had a heart after God. 
Let's not forget that David did have a heart after God, even though he was sinned. He still had a, but his weakness was he had a heart for the things he shouldn't have, flesh. He saw a woman, and there's nothing like a beautiful woman to catch a man's attention. And he realized that he was captured. The king was captured. It's amazing how many men you put in front of him, he could kill, but he could not kill, could not, could not fight the battle inside him. It's amazing, guys. That's why the, the, the most dangerous person in the world is a preacher. Why? Because he's learned to project himself on the outside, but inside he's taken. He's taken. He was taken long ago. His voice will never go beyond this door. Why? Because his territory is already polluted. God, God can't use a man like that. Territory has to be taken inside our hearts. If my voice is going to go beyond you, then territory has to be taken inside my heart. Hey, and I'm like you, I'm wrestling with my own demons, if I use that phrase. Yeah? But who does a pastor go to when he needs to talk? He doesn't go to Yellow Pages. But he's got to find someone. So what he normally does is find a pastor the furthest away from your area. So nothing will get out on Facebook. And someone who's not on Facebook. Yeah? If someone's talking about you on, on Facebook, it's called face crime, not FaceTime. Or Facebook, someone shouldn't be talking about you on Facebook. Amen? So David comes, he says, look, Lord, I need you to do something inside me. We're going to start with this. Lord, wash me thoroughly. Wash me thoroughly. I love that word, thoroughly. Yeah, do you know what that word means? Here we go. Completely, conscientiously, exhaustively, from top to bottom, meticulously, intensively. Leaving no stone unturned inside and out. That is thoroughly. God, wash me inside out. Thoroughly. Leave no stone unturned. Ouch. 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 But David had come to the point where he says, Lord, if you don't get this out of me, I'm finished. You've exposed me. If you expose me, I guess what's the point of me trying to keep hold of some part of this back? I might as well go all the way. You've already exposed me in front of this dude. The prophet knows about it. You can imagine afterwards, David saying, you keep your mouth shut after this. If I find you on Facebook, you're dead. Wash me thoroughly. He asked God, number two, he asked God to give him not just a clean spirit, but a right spirit. A right spirit. You see, a right spirit and a clean spirit are two different things in my opinion. What I mean by that is, I can have a clean spirit because God's forgiven me, but I can still be wrong upstairs. So what's upstairs will again begin to pollute my heart. If my mind and my heart don't get cleansed and only one of them, I'm in trouble. True? Because if I've got unforgiveness, but in that meeting I feel, well, Lord, I better forgive him. Better forgive him and wanting to forgive him are two different things. How many of you have been forgiven by God only to go away and let the movie start playing in your mind again? Let all those feelings come back again. So when you come back into God's presence, it's, oh, Lord, forgive me, Lord, again. God says, yeah, we're back here again. Why? Because your heart, your heart, though I cleansed it, your spirit was not right. Your attitude has to change with your heart. The two must come into alignment. And I don't know about you, but I've had wrong attitudes, bad attitudes, stinking attitudes. And you know, sometimes you have a bad attitude, you don't want to talk to people. Because you think, 
if I say something, I'm going to say something that's going to get me in a whole lot more trouble than I thought. A wise man gets himself out of there. A fool says, I'm going to give it you, then I'll pay the consequences later. But a wise man says, zip it, I'm out of here. Amen? We need a heart and a mind that is aligned to God. A right spirit is consistent, it's steady, it's determined, it's noble, it's cheerful. That's a right spirit. A right spirit. It's, no, it's a spirit that's no longer bound. It's a spirit that's free. It's, it's free. Then he said, he prayed that God would not, take him, would not take from him the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you. I don't know how so many people live without the Holy Ghost, but I need the Holy Ghost. Do you know why I need the Holy Ghost? Because if I'm going to have a clean heart, I need the consciousness of God. I need him to keep speaking to my life, telling me, Tony, that's wrong. You shouldn't be thinking like that. Tony, that's right. I'm well pleased with you, my son. Keep doing this. I need the consciousness of God. And that's done, that's maintained through intimacy and relationship. The more I am intimate with the Holy Ghost, the more he can speak into my life. And that's why David understood that he disconnected from the Holy Ghost. So when you disconnect yourself from the Holy Ghost, there's only one voice you listen to, that's yours. That's the voice of your, you know, of your, uh, when I listen to the Holy Ghost, it's the voice of my recreated spirit. But when I don't listen to the Holy Ghost, it's Tony. It's flesh. And I need to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, just like you do, because I need his conscience. Amen. Then he says, restore unto me, restore unto me, restore within me the joy of the Holy Spirit, which is him sensing the presence of God back upon his life. Amen. You know, it's a sad prayer when you realize it's, it's sad in one sense because he'd allowed his life to get to that place. It's, it's a good thing because we see the power of forgiveness. But it's a sad thing that a man can allow his life to drift to that place. You see, because until you're exposed, you'll keep on doing what you're doing without the consciousness of God. You'll keep on doing it. And some of you will keep on doing things for years and years and years and years until, and the Holy Spirit spoken to you about it and you keep ignoring him. So you become dead in that area. And the Holy Ghost will speak to you about other things, but in that area, he can't speak to you because you keep rebuffing him. True? I've, I've been there. I've been there. And then when God speaks, finally speaks, it's almost like you can hear the last time chimes coming from heaven this is the last and final call for tony higginson and then something grabs you more than it's ever grabbed you for and you get you feel the gravity and the urgency of time that if i don't deal with it now my life is utterly going to be going to be changed and i've i've come to that place three or four times in my life and it's a testimony of disobedience it's not, people say, well, you know, God's been speaking to me about this for ages now, and now I finally come to, to, to do what he said. And people give it a testimony like it's joyful. It's a testimony of rebellion. And we all clap and say, wasn't it wonderful? No, you dead leg, you were rebellious. It's a testimony of rebellion, how long it took for you to come to the end of your ways. And we stand there like it was wonderful. We don't know how long it took David to come to this place. We don't know how many years of his life. But thank God he actually came to the place. Amen. Next thing. If we're going to get in the boat and cross over. We're going to have to stay very clear. Very clear. So we stay clean. 
we need to stay very clear. In Ephesians 3, verse 14, Paul writes, For this reason, for this reason, and kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is this love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of, the, of all fullness of God. There are many things that God wants us to grasp. Do you realise that? There are many things that God wants us to remain clear on. Very clear. God not only wants you to know his love, which he does. I said not only. I didn't say he doesn't want you to know his love. He wants us not only to know his love, but he wants us to know his grace, his, his power, his knowledge. But here, here's the thing he wants us to know and he wants us to be very clear on. He wants us all to be filled to the same measure. There's a portion that Christ wants each man and woman to have. And he wants us to be very clear on that. And that's why we must grow up. That's why we must mature. That's why we must enter. That's why we must leave certain places so that we can attain that measure. Amen? Christ wants us to have the fullness. The fullness. And here in Acts chapter 5. Now, let's move to Acts chapter 5, verse 27. We see that determination to make things very clear. He says, having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin. Sanhedrin, to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in his name. He said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the others apostles replied, we must obey God rather than man. God wants us to make our message very clear to all of Jerusalem. Even if it offends people. He wants your doctrine to be very clear. He wants, you, he wants your doctrine to have the Christ as a centrality. Amen? Because in these last days, the doctrine is the one thing that gets, gets corrupted. So he wants, he want, these guys were coming under oppression and subjective uh, criticism and, and imprisonment because they were trying to make their message very, very clear. And yet the religious folks around them we're saying you're making us guilty. Listen, if you preach Christ crucified, it will make people guilty. True? When I heard that message preached, it made me feel guilty. We call it conviction. Amen? Stay very clear about your message. Do not be changing it despite the pressures. It may bring you. Fill Jerusalem. Fill Jerusalem. And if you get an opportunity, go into Samaria and then go into the ends of the earth. But we must make Jerusalem our priority. Let's stay very clear about where our assignment is. Hello? We must very, be very clear where we are told to go. With that, that word that God has spoke to you, be very clear. Did he mean that? Does he mean that? Hey, bring an end to that. Get clarity. And then once you've got clarity, stay with it. Be very clear about what God is saying. You can't be chopping, well, did he? I think he might have. Does he mean this? No, no, no. You must be very clear about what God is saying. Because if this is the word that's going to hold you fast, this is the word that's going to keep you strong, you need to be very clear about what he's saying. I'm not going to volunteer to have my nose blooded if I'm unclear. 
Would you stick your nose out and think, I hope I'm right here. If someone's going to, if I'm going to turn my left cheek for someone to hit it, I mean right cheek to hit it, I'm going to give me cloak. I've got to make sure the cause is right. True? I can't be holding, crossing my fingers saying, oh God, I hope you're, I hope you're real. <coughs> That's no good. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. <coughs> in fact, let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 first. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Though these have been given to us, his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Now listen. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, Goodness to knowledge, knowledge to self-control, self-control to perseverance, perseverance to godliness, godliness to brotherly kindness and brotherly kindness to love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's very clear about what we need to add. He's very, very clear. What you need to keep adding in order to make your life productive, you need to keep adding. Hello? You must keep adding to your life. Add, we, why do we add? Let me give you this. We, we add so that we can pursue. What is the point of adding if we have no intention of pursuing? Because without no pursuit, there is no overtaking. There is no new territory to guard. There's no too, new territory to govern. If you won't pursue with anything that God gives you, then the rest don't mean anything to you. Think about it. James says, we should not become hearers only, but doers. Why? What, by what we add, we do. He said, that's not a man of faith, a man who only hears. It's the man who can combine the two together. He's a real believer. He's the real productive believer. So skip down to uh, verse 12. So I will always remind you of these things. Why would he always remind you of these things? Because he wants to make some things very clear. Even though you know them and are finally established in the truth, you now have, I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in this tent and body. Why? Because there's some things that we cannot afford to forget. We need to make them very clear. Amen? And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. I think that's a man who's trying to make some things very, very clear to us. Do you know the whole thing about passing on the baton to another generation is that they don't forget what you taught them. Legacy is transferred into that generation that so much so that they can go further with what you taught them. Amen? That's what this church has all been about. Legacy, transference. That's why we're here today. That's why I'm here. I'm a result of a transferred legacy. And I'm the ongoing result of a transferred legacy. And so are you. Because our forefathers taught some things that they did not want us to forget. They paid the price. They got off the boat. You know, they didn't come off a boat. They got off the beach, onto a boat, onto the other side. They had to cross over in their hearts. So that we could be established in truth that the previous guys didn't know. They laboured for their revelation. You haven't got this because it fell in your lap, you know. Someone had to go and dig for it. 
Someone had to go and pray in the spirit and hold their position in the spirit to hold the revelation open so a whole bunch of people could cross over. That's why the demonic gathering on the other side was trying to prevent the territory from being open. People will always try and prevent you from moving on. Someone has to see it and find a way around it. Now, if we have to go head on with this guy, we go head on. But if we can go round, we go round. Whichever way we go, high, low, round, under, we'll get there. Because we're not confrontationalists. We don't like starting a fight. I like to use, a, if I'm going to start a fight, I want to use my fist. But praying? Sometimes I wish the devil would just stand in front of me. Just give me your best shot. Let me knock the snot out here. But you know our flesh, our warfare is not against flesh and blood. It's a pity. Sometimes I've got to look like I'm barking at the wall. I look like a raving madman. But I've got to tell myself, you know, in the natural, this looks stupid. Me going, hi, 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 hi. But then I've got to remind myself, there are invisible forces. That makes me sane. <laughs> Think about it. That's why when these meetings, these, these church meetings that you see people falling over and they're praying, to the outside world, it looks crazy. Someone falling over, shaking, rattling and rolling. Someone praying, speaking in tongues. It has no context to the guy watching it on telly. But to you and I, we understand some things they don't. And they're thinking, they're using you as the reason why they should not cross over. The Gadarene is speaking on their behalf. See, that's what happens if you go to church. You roll like a sausage. You bark like a dog. You speak a language that you don't understand. And in the natural, doesn't it, doesn't it not sound crazy? Of course it does. Of course it does. In the spirit, sometimes it looks a bit crazy. <laughs> yeah? But I'm always going to remind you of these things, Peter says. Why? Because we cannot leave this earth with this gospel of ours being unsure, uncertain. That's why that which we have touched, that which we have seen, that which we have held, and our own hands have held that which we proclaim out the crash. We make it known to you so that our fellowship with him may be complete. He's very determined that he wants you to know some things. That's why I'm very determined to keep on this crossing over because I want to make some things very clear to us. Listen, your blood is not going to be on my life. My blood cannot be on your hands. True. This is what I love about God in Acts chapter 17, 26. He says, from one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth and he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that man would seek him and, and perhaps reach out to him and find him, though it's not far from each one of us. He wanted to make that very clear that he, he actually took steps to make that clear. True? Oh, I know you like this. The next thing, stay very consistent. Oh, there's one thing the church suffers from is inconsistency. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul says to the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I've become all things to all men so that by all means possible, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in the blessings. Do you not know that in a race that all the runners run but only one gets the prize. Running such a way to get the prize. Now, you know when you run, you have to be consistent. You can't be stopping and starting, stopping and starting. There's a race on. Amen? They do it to get a crown. Yeah? 
that will not be lost, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I don't run like a man running aimlessly. I don't fight like a man beat in the air. No, I beat my body. I make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. So he's making sure that inside his own heart that he's very consistent. And then the same guy you can read in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-five. he says, then you see his consistency. Three times I was beaten. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I mean, this guy's not lucky, is he? He doesn't answer to the name called Lucky. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, from bandits, from my own countrymen, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the country, danger at sea and in danger from false brothers. I see a consistency here in this boy. His middle name's called Danger. Yeah? I have labored and I have toiled and I've often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and I've often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressures of my concern for the churches. I think that's consistent. I think that's consistency there. None none of you have been stranded in the open sea. None of you have gone days without food. None of you have had consistently three days of beating. You know, we think if we can't get a bus or the church heating's not on, we're being persecuted. We feel that if we go to church once a week, oh, how pious that makes me feel. Come on. You want to be a Christian? Wise up. Grow up. Mature. See, see the mission that's in front of us. This is why we have to cross over. I don't want to be beaten. I don't want to be shipwrecked. I don't know about you, but I like me, me food. I like to be fed regular. I like to be watered regular. Don't you? I don't want happy meals on the other side. I don't want Kentucky Fried Gospel on the other side. I want this word. I want this challenge. I want this mission. Why? Because this is our Father's mission. This is our Father's mission to get in that boat and cross over and make that way open so that others can cross over. There's demonic gathering on the other side blocking the way for the kingdom moving forward. Now, I ain't picking a fight, but I know the fight's already been chosen for us. Amen? And the last one. If we're going to stay in the boat, so we have to stay clear, clean, consistent. This one, some of you don't like this one, but here we go. You ready for it? It's free of charge. Stay relationally connected. You can't be doing your own thing in that boat. You can't be jumping out, in and out when, it, when, it feels, when you feel like it. This is not a swimming pool. It's not a play pool. This is an ocean. This is the lake. We're crossing over. There's nothing... Like a pursuit to connect you with other people. You know, when you finally set out on the pursuit, it's amazing how many people you meet. Really is. When you truly do get in that boat and you start crossing over, it's amazing how many people God will connect you with. Friends from all around the city, friends from all around the nations. You have relationships that are beautiful, that you never could have got had you just kept your blessed assurance sat on a seat. You meet far more people by getting up and doing than you do sitting down and receiving. True? And this is why I've got friends all around the nations now. In fact, here's a a little test. Some of you may remember. No, you do, Don. Someone hacked into my Facebook and was telling people that I was in Spain and I'd been robbed and I needed some money. Right? Out of all countries, Spain. True? Now, here's what happened. People from all around the nations rang me up. 
we thought it was a hoax. In fact, we were hoping it was a hoax. So we'd have to send you the money. But we wanted to know, was you in trouble? Because we were ready to send you money. But we thought we'd best check first. It showed me who was on the other side waiting for me. It showed me. I had people from Switzerland, London, Germany, Denmark. People who I know and I'm in relationship with were ready to put their hand in the pocket. For moi. For moi. It was amazing. I thought, no, I don't need the money, but I'll take your generosity anyway. (laughs) Now you've offered it me, give it me. But it's amazing. You don't know who will rise to the challenge unless you step into the boat. I've never asked them for money in my life, but they were willing to give to me because they saw me as a brother and I'm relationally connected. If you go down in your boat on your own, you've got to ask yourself why. You shouldn't be sinking alone. There's no reason why you should sink on your own. God did not abandon you. God's never abandoned you. But you can abandon yourself by not connecting. I've often looked at people because I'm a connective kind of person. I like friendships. I like connections. I like conversations. I've got my way to make connections sometimes. (laughs) Just like you. But on the whole, I'm, I'm a relational kind of person. And it always amazes me when I see people and they don't have many friends. And, I, and, and I'm perplexed because I'm totally the opposite. And I've often looked and watched at people who are who loners. And, you know, I've come to some conclusions, whether it's the full right conclusion. I look at many people on their own is because they have no purpose to pursue. All they've got is their everyday duties and responsibilities. They're not going beyond anything other than their duties and daily responsibilities. So they never open themselves up to another circle. It's sad. It really is. Because there is a mission in our life. Now, many of you have come to, have crossed over to Malaysia and come to our conference. Have you not felt better for meeting other nations? Have you not? Have you still got some of those people on Facebook and, and emails? Right. Do you feel better for having other brothers in other nations? Right. Why? Because you were willing at that point in time we invited you into Malaysia to get off your blessed assurance, put some money aside, step in the the plane at this time and fly over to the other side. It costs you to do that. But the people that you have on the other side now are precious. And you'll never know if you're in a boat and you're being capsized and you send an SOS out, they just might offer to send you some money. They might not. I didn't know who would respond. I wasn't even looking for them. It was in fact, none of this was in my control. Someone hacked into my Facebook. You need brothers. You need sisters. Stay relationally connected. You are not, you're not called Madagascar. You're not an island. We are a body. What kind of people do you need? You ready? Quickly and we're finishing. You need brothers. Brothers who are not hollow, but carry within them a spirit life dynamic. Amen. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, you'd have to go to it. I'm just speeding up now so we can finish. I'm landing the plane. 2 Corinthians 9.3 says, but I'm sending you the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow. That you may be ready as I said you should be. I'm sending you the brothers. God always sends the brothers. Girls, if you're in that company, the sisters as well. It's not a male thing. The next kind of person you need if you're going to stay relationally connected is friends. People who share the same concerns and initiatives of a common purpose. There must be some common ground here, guys. Yeah? 
2 Corinthians 8, 16, he says, I thank God who put into the same heart of Titus the same concerns I have for you. There was somebody else who carried the same concerns. Friends, ready for another one? You need helpers. This is free. This is from my book, Legacy. This is the free chapter I'm giving you now. Helpers who do everything they possibly can to help. They don't want to be in your life, but they see that you need something and they do everything they can within their means to help. Yeah? In fact, Paul in Acts 19.22 speaks of Timothy, Erastus, as being his helpers along with Artemis, Tychius and Titus. Do everything you can to help Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos and Philemon. Do everything you can, he says. Don't hold back from them. The brothers, do everything you can. Help us. The next thing you need is traveling companions. Boy, have I learned this one. Traveling companions. Cosmopolitan companions. Paul speaks of Gaius Aristarchus as being his traveling companions from Macedonia. There's other guys there who travel with him and I don't want to go on and on. But traveling companions. Another one, fellow workers. Paul in the book of Philemon refers to Mark, Aristarchus, Demas and Luke as being his fellow workers. His fellow workers. Guys who you can rely on. Guys who you know that you pick the phone up, they see the task. I'm here with you, Pastor. I'm here with you, Susan. I'm here with you, Jenny. I'm here with you, Daniel, whoever your name is. I'm here with you. I'm a I'll fellow work with you. I'll work alongside. I'm a fellow who will work. The next thing you need is sons in the common faith. Paul in Titus 1.4, Paul addresses his letter to Titus, my true son, in our common faith. My true son. You know what these true sons are? The guys who have been tested. They've got longevity about them. They're clean, they're clear, they're consistent. He sees the qualities inside them. These guys are built for crossing over. Consistent. Sons in the common faith. Here's another one, you want it? Friends who represent your very heart. Oh my Lord, how we need some of them. People who represent your very heart. Philemon 10, Paul writes, I appeal to you for my son, Anisimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and me. I'm sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to have kept him with me so that he could take your place in helping me. But you know, I see he's more value to me than he is to, to you than he is to me. This was a truly, truly man who represented his heart. There's going to come a point when we're going to have to release people to works in our nations, people who represent our very heart. And that's why I say to you guys, get your passports. Sons, look at me now. I've already know who I'm going to be releasing into the nations. That doesn't exclude the ones who are not there, but it's a growth, it's a mature thing. People are rising all the time around us. But this is where these people is what is on our radar. These are the people we should be looking for in our lives so we can make our transition of crossing over complete. <coughs> the next thing we need is fellow worshippers. People who know, to keep, who know how to create key breakthrough atmospheres. In Acts 18.7, Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titus, Justus, a worshipper of God. You know, sometimes we don't know what to say to each other, but we know how to raise our hands and just worship the same God.
We can create an atmosphere together and let God speak. You know, I haven't got a relationship, an in-depth relationship with everybody in this building. But you know, when we all raise our hands together, it brings a unity and a oneness to us all. We need fellow worshippers. Amen? Next one, you need learned friends. Learned friends. Not fools, not big mouths. Learned friends. People who know more than you. Learned friends. Teachable people. People who are teachable. That's why they're learned. In Acts 18.24, Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the Scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord and spoke with great fervor. But you know what? Priscilla and Aquila had to take him to the next level. Learned people. You need them in your life. You need learned people. Sometimes we always think our mum and dads are those people. But they're not always. And then last one, for your sake, people. I'm doing it. Here's, here's one of, this is Phil's favorite saying when he rings me up. Not for my benefit, this phone call, but for yours. That's what he always says to me. It's not for my benefit. This is for yours. So I say, okay, what do you want? What are you after? No, no, it's not for my benefit. If I didn't make this phone call, you could not have the benefit. That's his spiel. We know that. These are people who are moved and motivated to do things for you. You think, well, why would I ever want people to do things for me? Oh, please get a life. You need people to do things for you because they have things that you don't have. Gifts, graces, skills, knowledge, word. There's so many things. You cannot get this by staying on your own. That's why God put you in a body. Hello? But you and I want to defeat God on that argument. God, I don't need these. I need them on a Sunday and I need them to do a job, but I don't want to be relationally connected with them. Stay connected. The one who didn't stay connected was called Judas. All the others were connected. And they all fulfilled their purpose. Do things for your improvement. They do, these are people who do things for your improvement and for your advancement. You know, pastor, I saw that the other day and I just thought of you and I bought it for you. You know, I've had people do that for me. I've had people who, I saw this and I thought of you. Friends do that. They see things and they don't see for themselves, they see for the benefit of others. Why? So that you can be improved and go on. We all need people like that. You know, it's humbling to have people like that in your life. But we're so self-secure that we think, I don't need anyone. Yes, you do. If you're pursuing, if you're pursuing a crossing over, you need those people, believe me. Oh, you do. If you want to stay on the beach, then guess what? Get your lilo out, get your sunshades out, and you'll sit there and just enjoy the sun. Guess what? That's not called a believer. That's called someone who's just passive. But a believer is someone who's proactive, who's always looking where his father, what his father's doing. Where is his father moving? And you move with that. We need people who are motivated to do things for our improvement and for our advancement. It might just be a scripture they sent you. It might be a word this week they were praying and said, you know, I don't know that person, but I just felt, Lord, that you give me this word for that person. And you go and give that word for that person. You'll never know what it does. It doesn't give you a right to then carry on and speak into their life. It gives you the right to be the postman. Amen. Just because you've got a word doesn't mean you've got, he didn't ask for your explanation. And your version of the word, he says, go and give that word for that person. 
Back off. You know, my postman doesn't justify why my, my gas has gone up. He just leaves it and run. Because why? He knows he knows letters. He knows a bill. Because he hasn't, because he, because you know, because another postman delivers his, his post. And when you see a bill, you always go, oh, how much now? Amen? Friends who can explain things more adequately. And with that, that is the last one. Acts 18, 26. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way more adequately. We need friends who can explain things to us more adequately. Why? Because we're all on a journey of growth. Those people, those kind of people I've just outlined, good, it's a good list of people to look for. Pray that God will open up doors for you to build those kind of relationships. Don't expect them to come to you. Why don't you be proactive and start praying into them? Start looking where you can be motivated, where God can use you to motivate others for their common good, for their betterment. Start you being the answer and guess what? People will come to you. Don't control them. Don't try and control them. Just be a voice when you need to be a voice. Be a help when you need to be a help. Be a strength when you need to be a strength. But if we're going to cross over church, please look at me for one minute. Stay clean. Stay clear. Stay consistent. Stay relationally connected. These four things are so key for us to cross over. I guarantee you, anyone, any one point in time, I can come to, to come to you, anyone, I can see where you're out of alignment in one of those areas. You're either unclean, so you've got a low self-esteem, so you don't want to move on. You're unclear, which is okay at times. We can be unclear until we're made clear. Things are made clear. There's room for that. Stay consistent with what you're adding, you must pursue. Yeah? You can't be all for God this week and not next week. Something shifted within a week. Something's not right. Yeah? And stay relationally connected. Value this body. Have a look around. These are the people we're connecting with. Now, you may have friends outside and beyond. That's good. But that's not a substitute for not connected in here. Because a body that stays together can progress together. It will fight in the spirit together. Not against one another, but in the spirit. Amen? So let's stand to our feet, if you will, please. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more information, go to www.thedreamcentre.co.uk.